Queen's Cross. Free header, Paul Pogba. The world's most expensive player is off and running with his first ever goal for Manchester United. And this first half has blown Leicester away. If I hear you shouting for anything again, I'm going to be penalising you. This is not soccer. Is that clear? The food is fantastic there, like you're gonna stay for breakfast, lunch and dinner with sports if you like, yeah. Haters are gonna hate as they might say in America. You know, we can't keep on putting kids in. You know, I would love to kneel kneel last week. I would sit in there last week and I think, be kneel kneel. If you have a look at the clip here, you can see Chiellini trying to defend and Suarez taking the choke out of him, Bill. Hello, welcome to Action Reap the Extra Time, the golf edition of this absolutely award-winning, actually, podcast. Uh, I'm Brian again. I'm joined by Dara Colleen, and we're here to talk all things golf. Dara, an exciting two weeks. The Tour Championship last week, and now we're leading into the big one. The Every two years, Ryder Cup comes around and, you know, captures our hearts yeah. and plays at our heartstrings. Just to show you what it means to, to people, the Ryder Cup, uh, <laughs> my dad gets a phone call last night. And it's, <laughs> it's like, how are you? Oh, okay, okay. He puts the phone down. And he won't talk to me for an hour and he's really pissed off until my mom goes, what's wrong with you? And he's sulking at the dinner table. And he goes, work won't give me Friday off. Oh, yeah. and Friday's the best day, you know. You yeah. could have the old bubba waving the crowd yeah. up. Oh. And one thing that I, I, I've been reading up on, I know they've played in Hazeltine a few, a few times as well, but Hazeltine is a, it can nearly um, facilitate umpteen thousand spectators yeah. they're expected 250,000 over the three over days over the three days this yeah. place is an amphitheatre for noise and if one thing is going to help the Americans is loud American fans Minnesota's vocal you know n- n- you know the north of the country you know, normally the sh- isn't it a case though where it's uh, the Europeans tend to be the rowdy even is, when they travel exa- oh they, they travel very very well the, the Europeans uh, <laughs> it's, you can't go too far without a few Europe chants and a few ole ole's but I still think if if someone if someone gets on a run on the early Friday and keeps that momentum going, the the Americans won't let up, which was surprising in uh, the Miracle Medina. You know, we thought that they had their tails up; there was no coming back. The American crowd, the Chicago crowd, and Medina was there. But do you think, though? I think in in recent years it seemed a lot more important the Ryder Cup to Europeans and the Americans. Do you think this is a thing that Davis loved? the third is trying to get into the heads of the Americans well, that it's, it's do or die now it's always been do or die for the Europeans the Ryder Cup is, yeah. is I'm sure when McDowell won his US Open he said the Ryder Cup was bigger than winning the US Open whereas Team USA uh, in yesteryears they'd definitely be kind of individuals coming into a team 100% I, I think um, 
you've seen in the news there's been a lot of soul searching uh, within the team they, they've kind of had a task force which um, Phil Mickelson has, has joined to, le- to lead to find out what the hell have we been doing wrong and they've they've, they've done things like uh, inst- instead of you know stumbling into pairings uh, um, and trying to adapt they're going to plan their pairings yeah. um, efficiently and uh, they're, they're going to you know, outline all possible scenarios that can happen and who's going to go what. They're going to be more prepared in that regard. But also, Jack Nicholas, I believe it was during his, uh, wasn't the players, earlier in the year anyway, it was a competition. Uh, and uh, he he invited them all to his house uh, on the Wednesday before and they had a dinner and they, they had a, the, all the potential players that were going to be playing for the, for the US Ryder Cup team. They had sit down and say what the hell is going on why have we only won one we're the, we're the superpower in golf basically why have we only won one Ryder Cup against these Europeans and looking at that team I think they can grow great confidence looking at that European team the the amateur not the amateurs the, the, the rookies that are coming in uh, also it's not really good com- it's not it's not fucking you know being a a rookie going to America is so so intimidating. I can a lot imagine of these rookies don't really play in the PGA. Exactly, tour, they know? only play the majors and maybe the WGCs yeah. at most. And not many of them have. Cabrera Bayo has impressed when he's played match plays, uh, the WGC match play, and uh, he's 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 played well in a few majors, top tens or whatever. But there's no p- player there that says this fella's going to grab this this opportunity to represent Europe by the scruff of the neck. And uh, that's what I'm scared of. Chris Wood, uh, he's made a career of choking. This year he's been a little bit more consistent and better. But he, uh, there's been two or three occasions in the past, maybe four or five years ago, where he's, he's held three shot leads going into the final round and he's blown it up. And that doesn't fill me with any confidence. No, and you're looking at uh, Harrington, Padraig Harrington did a little uh, phone interview with Off the Ball a few weeks ago. Yeah. And he was very blunt about it. He said... Um, he said they're talking about the captain's picks. It was, I think, it was the day of the captain's picks, and he was talking about picking Westwood and Keimer. And he said, "Look, we have five rookies in the team already. I believe it's five rookies, yeah. and then to pick Thomas Peters." And he said, "Historically, rookies don't win points." Yeah. So if you're putting six rookies into the into the into the team compared to Team USA's two rookies. You know, it do- doesn't exactly in- no. instill you with confidence. No, and, you know, I-, I don't think, looking at the picks further in, I don't think Martin Keimer was a difficult pick. I'd say that was by far the easiest pick yeah. of them all. There's been talks about how Lee Westwood was could have been, you know, he could be the weak link out of the tree. He's not playing great golf at the minute. No. He's not playing regular golf at the minute. Um, there's been talks about after I think in two years' time, he's thinking about hanging up the hanging up the clubs, you know. He- he's... He- he's I'd say the amount of times he's lost opportunities to uh, win a major has kind of shook him a little bit, and uh, I'd say the motivation wears down after every time the disappointment uh, comes into it. But we'll have a conversation about Peters and Knox later. Yeah. We both have opposing views to it. Uh, but looking at that American team, who 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 strikes your eye? Well, obviously the 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 number one player probably of the whole season being Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Um, how he's performed at the Ryder Cup, he's he's fifty seven percent four and three in two Ryder Cups. You're going to have to look at he's probably like there's you're going to see unless they put McIlroy on him, he'd probably come away with a point on on Sunday. Uh, 
as a team player we were just saying yeah. before we went on air he's a bit questionable I don't um, think his personality as well if you look at I, it it'd be hard for me to see someone gel well with him he doesn't yeah. seem like a guy who, who he's uh, not the brightest crayon in the box oh, let's yeah, be honest that's, here that's, the, and that, that, that's, that's, that's a fact and he doesn't he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to rile up all the lads you know he's not going to come on lads no, let's do this he doesn't this. do that even when he's he's yeah. kind of like Jason Duff Duffner's uh, steel face um, when he walks around, maybe maybe just a little wave of the golf ball when he when he gets a birdie. But it's not there's no much emotion from him. And, and you could say the same about Jordan Speech. You're looking at the two best golfers on on the side, but they're if we're talking about long term leaders of a side. They're not the most passionate golfers when they're when they're hitting the fairways. Yeah. Whereas you look at then the next person, Phil Mickelson, as you said. And that's funny how Phil Mickelson, uh, um, Dustin Chan said the one person I don't want to pair with is Phil because we just don't go well together. Yeah, yeah they had um, a very bad experience in the last Ryder Cup together, but it's very strange to go and and say that two weeks before the Ryder Cup. I, I, I like, would you not keep that undisclosed? Uh, I think it was kind of um, it was it was it was t- it was taken lightly now. I think Mickelson was asked and he said something long. Yeah, same. So it was kind of a joking manner. Where but if it's true, it's true. true That's yeah. another thing, you know. Um, I like Ryan Moore. I'm a big fan of Ryan Moore's as golf. The, as um, the pick, yeah. But when he's like many other golfers, when he's hot, he's on fire. And when he's cold, yeah. and I think he's coming into he's coming into form. Obviously, he was so unlucky not to to win win the Tour Championship. Uh, during the week uh, JB Holmes he has Ryder Cup experience yeah, he's, he's playing he's, superb he's, golf at the minute he's also when he played his last Ryder Cup he won two of his three matches half the other one hey if if they could get two out of three and t- two. Patrick Reed as well when three three yeah. wins one half in the last Patrick Ryder Reed Cup is, and he's had a very good year this year he was a standout player for the US in the, in the last uh, uh, arguably was a standout player Brooks Kepka has he's, been very quiet lately hasn't he he's Brooks Koepka though is you don't know what you're going to get out of him. I think he's a very match play player where he's going to be able to come and storm a load of birdies early on or he's going to He has to the power to do it. And Hazeltine is well over 7,000 yards. It's a huge golf course which suits J.B. Holmes. I don't see Koefka getting much force in his action. Oh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if he start, I'd be surprised if Davis Love starts him in the first yeah. uh, tomorrow at half one. But uh, uh, like it's a huge golf course I think it's 7,200 and something yeah. something yards that suits the following players JB Holmes Dustin Johnson Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson to an extent Ryan Moore ha- hits it Patrick Reed drills the ball and Jimmy Walker hits it a fair belt you know th- there is a good mix there though yeah. there are some you know there are some I the think the four Brand Snedeker and yeah. Speed. I think if you put them in a pair yeah. if, Brand, if Brand Snedeker brings his A game Imagine them rolling in every putt from inside yeah, 10 feet. That's, that's, what that's I'm heartbreaking. The two of them are. But then when you go on the same manner, you're talking about a 7,000-yard golf course, what long hitters do you have on the European? Well, actually, we'll say short hitters. Like, Westwood doesn't really have the same yardage as no, he does anymore. No, no. Thomas Peters isn't massive off the tee. Fitzpatrick, especially. No, yeah, he's, he's very he short off the around. tee. Another putter, another one of these expert putters. Um, Cabrera Bale... Although he's not the longest of fitters, he's a fantastic ball striker. Yeah. He hits a lot of greens. Same as Sergio, sure. you could say. Um, and Sergio's putter always seems to work around this time of year, every two years. Yeah. He, he he makes these remarkable putts. Um, Rory McIlroy belts it. Justin Rose hits it a fair wallop. Stenson, uh, although he hits it three wood off the tee, he hits it as you know further than the average drive. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Wood hits it a fair belt as well. If you if you look at it, I suppose distance wise, no team is really kind of surpassing the other in terms yeah. of distance. 
I I think putting putting wise, I think there are more solid putters on this uh, on this American team. Roy McIlroy has, as we all know, the big question marks. Uh, Sergio Garcia. If yeah. his putter doesn't show up, it gets fucking, it gets bloody ugly, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't get pretty. Cabrera Bay is not a great putter. He should have won so many tournaments in the past two years if if he brought the flat stick with him. The one thing that excites me though is uh, Stenson and Rose always paired together. I'm very and interested to see they that. They are probably two of the best putters. Yeah. Not just now, but ever. You yeah, could argue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and as well. They're so good off the tee. They're straight. There's yeah. n- not a lot that goes wrong off the tee. Uh, Do you think that they might pair someone like Fitzpatrick and oh, it's so, say if you're making a risk and you could put Chris Wood and Fitzpatrick, a long hitter and a great putter, in a four ball? Yeah, a four ball. You know, you can you can kind of experiment with yeah. these things as well because it's it's not as demanding as a foursomes format where. It's alternate shot, and your shot means so much to the whole um, the whole format of the whole. Yeah, I, 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 I that's why I'd be skeptical of Justin Rose and Stenson for the three for the two days because if there's five rookies, you're gonna have to. It's he's not gonna pair, pair a lot of two rookies together, together you know. Uh, he's gonna have to put mixed experience with with the youth. Um, I, I think one advantage that the European Ryder Cup team has over the Americans is their vice captains. Uh, Paul Lowry, Ian Poulter, Padraig Carrington, Thomas Bjorn and Sam Tarns are all absolute legends of the Ryder Cup. Yeah. In fifty years' time they'll be watching uh they'll be watching, you know, sporting greats and all this and sporting triumphs in Sky Sports and there'll be them five people. What do you make of the American vice captains and in particular Tiger Woods you're bringing in a guy who's, as you mentioned he doesn't have much success in the Ryder Cup uh, the persona though you know yeah. I think you have confidence when you have Tiger like if this is a boxing match you with Tiger Woods in your corner I think the only thing you can do is learn I don't think he's going to have any detrimental value to this Ryder Cup team it's going to be all positive I know he doesn't have much experience in the team formats but the man is larger than life you know Tiger Woods for centuries, for, for centuries to come, they'll remember the name of Tiger Woods as the greatest ever. Maybe you know maybe. that has ever played. Uh, when you have that in your corner, I think it's only positive things that can come from that. Uh, but you know, Bubba Watson. I'm, I, it says a lot about he's the in American his prime. Team. He's in his prime. You know, I I'm not sure. Like he's Tiger Woods. People could say he's past yeah. it. You know, the most vice captains are past it. There, there has been, uh, or for, uh, like injured for term. or like or injured, yeah. Like Ian Poulter. I don't know if Bubba Watts like. I can only see him as keeping the morale high in the US group with all his jokes because he's a funny guy. But but you're looking at say this this was what highlighted. I was looking at this last night. The difference between Team USA and Team Europe. Team USA can afford to not take the world number seven. The yeah. Team USA average ranking is 15th in the world compared to uh, Team Europe's 28. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a huge difference, and that's why the bookies are the way they are, and um, America are the odds on favorites, especially with the home field adva- home field advantage. But as you said, exactly that, and you know the Tour Championship again, Rory McIlroy only being the the sole uh, European, European member candidate yeah. participant, and then he goes and wins it. And going back to the t- Tour Championship, that was that was something special, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean this thing about Rory McIlroy, he's he's. 
he's like a team that I often support in sports <laughs> where where there's no level of consistency with them and and just when you think they're down and out they they come and do something glorious like like the the lad hadn't been playing great golf the whole year yeah and then it comes the Irish up, Open by the Irish Open and then it comes to the to the big payday and he's and even like after round one round two he's just kind of knocking on the Tipping door away, yeah. and then. Coming into round four, it's like, ah, oh, well, you have Dustin Johnson, the on-form player mm. on the planet, and then you have McElroy. And you have McElroy playing another round, how many times do you say round of his life oh, he, on the, round four? It's it, it's it's funny, the amount of times Roy McElroy comes from behind to do these things. It's like he needs a motivation to to go and chase after yeah. it. Uh, he's not a great, he's not the best of leaders. Leaders, yeah. He's not, oh, he's, and that all started from uh, uh, his first... Um, Masters that he was yeah. in contention with a few years ago, uh, but just I think he's playing. He's back to his best. Yeah. Uh, with that put, new with that putter, the change of putter. Like, all right, fair enough. Nike are disbanding and all this this crack going on with Nike, but all he did was change one club and it was the flat stick. And we've see, we've seen he's getting and coached as he, well. He's very his game is very much mental. Whereas one one thing breaks down, the rest of it breaks down with him. Once the putter starts working, he's driving at yeah. 350 yards down the fairway, stitching his irons. And oh, he's been hitting the ball nearly as good, maybe not as good as last weekend, but he's been hit. He's one of the leaders in driving yeah. throughout the year. Um, greens, greens in regulation as well. His putting has been woeful at best yeah. uh, for, for the majority. He, the, the, um, this putts, put, you, you don't feel confident with Rory McIlroy to put inside eight feet. You, you're... you're Thinking that he's probably going to miss it instead of oh, I'd say he'll make this, which Jordan Spieth has pipped him in the past five years over as you know beating him in that regard. Uh, I'd love to see Spieth versus McIlroy yeah, though in the singles. Would. We'll talk about the singles. What What do you think needs to happen? Well, like for Europe, for, for Europe. So we'll go through it day by day. You yeah. have you have a total of what. On eight eight points a day, eight, yeah, eight points, eight points, eight points, eight points and then twelve. Yeah. So say day one, you have foursomes, four balls. Mm-hmm. What do you think Europe need? To, do you think Europe need to take a lead coming into Sunday? A hundred percent. I th- um and now all right, Medina. They had they were four points behind. They came back and won. I think this is a different European team. Uh, uh and traditionally, traditionally, uh, asterisks around that. America do better in the singles, and yeah. Europe do better in the team events. Uh, because amateur at amateur level they practice for these these events uh, more regularly than the US do, but definitely, especially with the the hometown crowd of America, uh, if they go in all square, I I would back American to win. I think Europe have to go in with the lead. Do you think that they can though? Because as you said, you you, look, you said about uh, the players going on this soul searching trip and seeing what what partnerships can work, and that's what. Came back with McGinley two years ago, and as Harrington said, McGinley was looking at what players play best in the morning, what players have a good record in the evening, who's played well together, who's played well against certain players and parents, looking at every different scenario. And you got the sense in the media, and I don't know if it's just a media thing, where two years ago McGinley is a lot more prepared yeah. than Darren Clark is. Mm. Now, Harrington said that Clark won't be outdone by McGinley, but it definitely seems that he. That he was more prepared yeah, two years ago. I also think, you know, Paul McGinley's a fantastic TV personality and yeah. uh, he comes across as probably that he did come more prepared. Uh, the only doubt I have with Darren Clark, and we'll come to that in the next two minutes, is the Russell Knox uh, exclusion. Um, uh, that's the only doubt I have in Darren Clark's... Darren Clark led in 2006. He he was 
one of the main reasons three that you points were, out of three exactly yeah, you know yeah. he, he, he was the, that was his Ryder Cup as we were saying earlier uh, if you're going to put one person for every Ryder Cup based on performance uh, I've no doubt that Darren Clark is going to be a fantastic captain I just will come to that now what 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 what's your take on it? I know your take on it, but just say tell. So people. here's the thing, Brian, and I was saying about this. If Thomas Peters doesn't win, you're automatically, and everyone's going to automatically say, "Well, Russell Knox should have been there." Well, if Russell Knox is there and he doesn't win, you're going to say, "Well, Thomas Peters had a fourth place, a second." I think place that's like anything, though. Yeah, but that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like anything. You're always going to think the grass is always greener on the other side. Russell Knox, he should be there. But then at the same time, he didn't exactly want to be there. Clark said, Clark had him on the phone call and he was like, look it, there was a bit of mix-up in communication. You weren't, what was he wasn't strictly registered on yeah, the European Yeah, when he won tour. earlier in the year. So, Russell Knox kind of took this as, well, I have to be on the Ryder Cup team. And then Clark, this is, in long story short, Clark takes, sees Thomas Peters as a fourth place and second place. And he's like, right, Thomas Peters, you can play in Denmark. Shane Larry, you play in Denmark. And Russell Knox, you can play in Denmark. And I'm a C, whoever, yeah. whoever does best. So Shane Larry doesn't do much. Russell Knox That's doesn't turn up. And then Thomas Peters is paired with him, hits a 62, and then goes and wins the tournament. I think it comes down to more than a made in Denmark. Personally, in my opinion, he won He, he, he won two months ago. He won in, the in Travellers, yeah. He won the Travellers in America and he's been performing oh so well this year. He should have won the Irish Open as far as as far as far I'm concerned. Uh, I thought that the stewards put him off on his second shot into 16 on the the, the fourth round on the Sunday and he had duffed it to... Over in America though for the whole year he hasn't exactly lit it up. He still won two times and should have won three mm-hmm. times this year. I've Thomas Peters... As Darren Clark has said, no, but I think Project Harrington said he's a f- he could be a future world number one. The the skill set that this 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 kid has, you know, uh, I have no doubt that he would be future Ryder Cup player. I just think that based on merit of this year alone, Russell and I know I agree with you that he wasn't registered. He didn't have the desire. He didn't show Darren Clark. This is why you have to pick me. I really want to play for the Ryder Cup. But when you're looking at it, you're looking at a team. Of players and you need players that have the heart and soul to ride a cup. Why? Why do you pick the lad who doesn't particularly yeah. want to be? No, there? and I see your point there. Um, it's the same thing going Paul Casey. You know, Paul Casey's had a fabulous year. Fabulous you know, year. Uh, he could Probably have had a, a few too wins. late in the year. Too, exactly, uh, but you know, he wasn't registered for the for the European Tour yeah. this year either. That was a bit of a mess up in his eyes, and he's been interviewed uh, on a few occasions, and he's hurting inside. It's yeah. it's. That's what the Ryder Cup does to you. Uh, that, you yeah. can't argue, though, with the fact that Peters hits a 62 with the Ryder Cup captain. Like, you're talking about, he's looking at a fella and he needs, is this guy a big-time big time player? And he hits a 62 with him. Oh. Like, probably the biggest round of his career and he hits a 62. Yeah, if that doesn't if, give you if, pressure. If you are Clark, who are you picking? The lad who, who doesn't yeah. turn up or the lad who, six, who, who hits yeah. the most impressive 62 he has ever seen, yeah. as quote-unquote. I know, I, I, see, I see your point, and I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying it was completely wrong. I just think he's he's left his head out. He's left his neck out um, for potential criticism if he does lose. Uh, I don't it's always going to be that way. You have to take a risk, and I know, especially yeah. in this Ryder Cup. Like, I... I don't see <coughs> Russell Knox as a world beater, whereas you say Thomas Peters is his future world number one. Yeah. Is, it, is this his place to, you know, make himself? I hope it is. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not hoping he does bad, so I prove everyone. 
that I prove ever wrong that I think Russell I just think based on merit on based on this year based on his experience in America I just think Russell Knox would have been more suited to the role of uh, the, the captain's pick than Thomas Peters just barely and I, I take all your points on board I still think that Russell Knox I would have picked him and I nearly would have picked him over Lee Westwood but that's another conversation so if we're going day by day give us a quick rundown Friday finishes, Saturday finishes, and Sunday finishes. Um, the pressure's on America in day one. Uh, they get off to a bit of a rough start uh, because they know this is this is their this is the Ryder Cup where they need to show up, or it's going to be seven and eight. And that's it'll be uh, it'll be the first time since someone if Europe come away with it that there's been a four in a row since USA used to play GB in Ireland. Oh yeah, before yeah. the Seve days, Seve and yeah. That's that's something to to try for, isn't yeah. it? I think Amer- uh, Europe come up with a a one point. They're yeah, they're three one after Europe. Are yeah, they're going to the be first session. after the first session. I think then they have to stay afternoons. So what's that? That's five three. Yeah. America come with a storming fight back on Saturday. They've they're they're in. They, they know they're, what battle they're in now. Um, every long day. Uh, they need they need, they know that they need to set themselves up for at least a chance on the Sunday, and I think it's level going into the final day. And then America win by two points. I think on paper, on paper, I'd like. To, I think it's going to be a lot more one sided. Yes, I think that. It could go three and one in the first session, mm-hmm. two and two, then it could go two and two, three and one. So they're gonna take a two point lead, and then go in with a further. Tr- I think they could win by up to win, five. Win with that well? Do you think? Yeah. I really think so. It'll be over but then, early Sunday. But then the little golfing kid inside of me says, "No, Europe can defy this logic." Matthew Fitzpatrick Fearless warriors of, of, of <laughs> Matthew Fitzpatrick Is going to find An extra 100 yards On his drive <laughs> Roy McIlroy Is going to become The greatest player Of all time And <laughs> Henrik Stenson I will finally be able To forgive him For not signing my autograph Back in 2010 <laughs> <laughs> And oh. that'll be it And then Darren Clark Will be there He'll have the Ryder Cup in one hand A pint of Guinness In the other And we'll say Absolute legend. Yeah. Well, did you not hear that? Finishing up now because we're coming to the end of our podcast. Yes, did I you know. not hear that yeah. he has like um he has some duties on the Monday after that he's he mightn't go too heavy on the drink on the Sunday. Oh, really? But he said after it he's gonna let loose. He said. What um? What was the figure though that they said he had something like forty eight pints of Guinness the night that they won the two thousand six uh. Ryder Cup? <laughs> I'd say he did. You know, and that's. Have if you've seen uh, Chronicles of an Open Champion of an Open Golfer Champion uh, on Sky Sports, it shows his his and the headlines were saying that he he loves to drink and he said yes. Do I love to drink a lot? Yes. Do I overdo it a lot sometimes? Do I overdo it sometimes? <laughs> yeah, maybe. But he said that's the way I t- switch off, you know. And fair enough. The uh, I love Darren Clark. Yeah. Just just before we finish up, uh, a story about him after winning the Open was he you know he went to his pub. Got a Guinness. He gets another Guinness, another Guinness. So then he's eighteen on, Guinnesses there. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty, but eighteen. <laughs> so uh, he's well and truly out of it. Doesn't even know his manager decides. I think his manager decides to steal the claret jug on him, and he's so drunk that he's there drinking Guinnesses a few hours later, and he's probably on about thirty points of Guinness, and it's like ah, there's the there's the claret jug <laughs> back beside me. 
So that's, that's he, you know, if if Darren Clark can win the Open Championship, this European team can pull out the bag in America. And I think we'll leave it at that, will we, Dara? I think Dara? we'll leave it at that. And thank you for joining me, Dara. Um, this is actually Replay Extra Time, the golf edition. Uh, let's hope European get a big win over in America. It's going to be very tough, but it's, oh, it's definitely, definitely going to be exciting stuff come Sunday. What were you happy with about your side? Oh, happy. Happy everything. Everything. Very good. Very happy with my team. But you didn't win, did you, Brendan? Yeah, when we didn't win, it's true. Yeah. Why didn't, didn't you win? win? Oh, good question, that. Very good question. Win. It's, it's important to win. It is important to win. We must try harder. Absolutely, yeah. So you think it's a lack of effort? Oh, lack of effort, lack of effort. I can't think it's a lack of effort. Wouldn't so, never so, 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 so what is it, Brendan? Uh, what would it be? Let me think. Uh, I can't, I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that one. Think about it deeply. Welcome to today's Action Replay Rugby Podcast with myself, Jack O'Toole, and here beside me is Billy Keenan. We'll be having a quick look at the Rugby Championship, some of the Pro 12 games, Leinster and Munster, and maybe a little bit on Bundyaki and his future. So, um, Billy, how are you? Very well, yeah, thanks for having me. Good what are you here. What are you thinking of the what's going on in the world of rugby? Was that with the with the Rugby Championship? The All Blacks seem to be in uh, you know the form of their lives. Yeah, um, they're playing the spring box as far as I know. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, and uh, Pat Lambie has finally made a return after that nasty concussion in the the summer international. So yes. they've brought him back. Uh, that that's a that's a bonus definitely for the South Africans. Alistair Kutsia is you know he's kind of no man's land at the moment. Mm-hmm. Elton Yantes and and Fafta Clerk despite all their problems in Super Rugby, they are not performing to an acceptable, consistent level in international rugby mm-hmm. in order to grind out games. Mm-hmm. I like Faf the Clerk. I, think I really like uh, Faf the yeah, Clerk. But I'm just not sure Elton Yankees is uh, is able to consistently perform, maybe suffering a little bit like Ian Madigan with all the flair, but in international rugby, you, you need to be able to get your ball out to the backs and although he likes swinging some passes, some of it's a little bit inconsistent. I, I think he is a Madigan in the sense that he's got to be... It's Madigan to Sexton in the fact that if Sexton's injured, Madigan might get the role yeah. there. But I think once uh, Andre Pollard comes back, I think As that's well, going to be... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be the, the dominant primary South African 10 going forward. Um, the, the All Blacks, uh, Matt Todd has been included. Yep. Um, Liam Squire still around the squad from the Highlanders. I'd like to see... Uh, we talked about this earlier. I'd like to see Elliot Dixon come back. He played a role in their autumn internationals, yes. with, or summer internationals with, with Wales. I, I think Elliot Dixon's a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were talking about it earlier. There's, there's very few players across the board in, in New Zealand Super Rugby that you couldn't see eventually elevated into the All Black squad. Yeah. The amount of, of back rowers, front rowers, mm. you know, ba- outside backs they have is just incredible. And they definitely do. Their, their performances and their skill level definitely does improve after a week or two in the All Blacks camp. Just, just even being seeing them back in Super Rugby after being in, in you know, a midweek camp with the All Blacks, yes. they come back rejuvenated, and um, they're still definitely a dangerous prospect after losing, you know, McCaw, Carter, and, and Smith. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the step up this year. I mean, it's 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 really unbelievable. And how I think a lot of people once thought that once Carter went, once McCaw went, yeah. once Conrad Smith, man, Nonu. Um, once a lot of those guys left that this would be the real ultimate and the litmus test of New Zealand rugby and, and the strength and depth but they really have just like the guys that have come in you know the Sam Keynes the Adi Sevillas the Bowden Barretts um, I would have thought the Crotty uh, Fekatoro uh, partnership in midfield I thought that's going to be the one area that people are going to go at them at because 
I don't think I think they would be they're not weak points because both those guys are really good players but they're not as strong in the centres as they are inside the outside backs in okay, the back yeah. row yeah. Um, in their second row even in their halves with Barrett and, and Aaron Smith um, but Crotty and Fekato really have stepped up to their job and I've been particularly impressed with Crotty um, and his partic- particularly his distribution skills and just his support lines and everything so he's been uh, very good but they're just they have a relentless nature to them where they just they don't stop especially coming into the second half I mean we've seen it the week before even Argentina really gave them a tough run in that first 25-30 minutes and then also with South Africa last week really up until about the 50th minute you know um, and then they just constantly seem to pull away and, and maybe it is maybe it's bringing guys off the bench you know maybe it is bringing guys like Matt Todd their bench is incredible and mm. you know players like Kane Hames Paranera Paranacruden you know guys like these some of these aren't even making the bench you know mm-hmm. you have Wyatt Crockett who's still there Cody mm-hmm. Taylor um, then the amount of back rows Liam Squire Adam Whitelock for the Highlanders as well these mm-hmm. guys aren't even on the bench mm-hmm. so the quality that they are bringing off Damien McKenzie go, you know Damien McKenzie exactly he's not even in the one of the players in the Super the Rugby yeah so when they're able to and I think the key thing for the All Blacks is, is that the you know Joe Schmidt really really uh, emphasises it that they're so detailed and that they're continuing on what the starting 15 has done and there's definitely no drop when the bench comes on no no there's not there's not at all um, speaking of, of New Zealanders that are in great form uh, Joey Carberry's won uh, yeah. for, for Leinster I know he's, he's, bit, he's taking a bit of a uh, of a side seat now, you know, good with the turn of, of Johnny Sexton. But Johnny Sexton was incredibly impressive against Ospreys. It was great to see Sexton come back and come straight back into what he does best and just running the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was delighted to just see him. And, you know, scoring points and making his kick. So it, it's fantastic to see Sexton back playing some rugby again. And, yeah, he ran he ran a very good show against the Ospreys, who have mm-hmm. been a very informed team. Mm-hmm. 31 nil it was at 60-odd yeah. 60 minutes. Now, the lack of a, a defensive identity with Lancaster, you know, still new, definitely came out in the last 20 minutes. Uh, there was a yellow card, and that ex- that exposed everything. Uh, some soft tries, but definitely room for improvement. Um, I thought Josh van der Fleer was particularly great against I think he's. I think I thought he was one of their standouts in that bad game, against, the bad win against Treviso, yeah. and I think he's really putting a mark in there for this Irish number seven jersey. Definitely, he's added uh, a considerable amount of bulk, but he still looks very uh, nimble and mobile, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's definitely not bringing on to the, the Keen Healy levels or Sean O'Brien's of just a mass. They're definitely still keeping him mobile well, and really, agile. I think like probably since what? We really haven't had a true open side seven exactly. a, a true particular seven in probably a decade because David Wallace really could have fit the build of really any he really could have fit the build of a number six or a number eight as well you know what I mean he was a fantastic yeah. ball runner all got over the line tremendous workhorse but I wouldn't have said he was you know a real probably traditional number seven yeah. in that open side flanker Sean O'Brien has been you know he probably could have played anywhere across the back yeah. row as well but I suppose I think Van Der is probably our first person since like what Johnny O'Connor maybe maybe even I mean Chris Henry was doing a very good job yes an ulcer, uh, you know in Ireland's first successful Six Nation campaign under Joe Schmidt you know Chris Henry was phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, I thought he was fantastic uh, his physicality was maybe a little bit um, undermined against Argentina in the World Cup and I think that's definitely you know gone against him especially with some injuries afterwards mm-hmm. but Josh Van Der Fleer 
very young age is setting the bar and I think the likes of O'Donnell, O'Brien, mm. you know, have have a mountain to climb in terms of coming back. Well, O'Donnell, O'Donnell is injured yet again, yeah. which is um, you know, which is which is quite a concern because um, he he was looking promising, and then yeah, just months even Jack O'Donoghue, I think he looks quite promising. A couple of online buzz, like I wouldn't leave, the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave for New Zealand without Jack, Jack O'Donoghue on the plane, really? which is really big because you know yeah. the guy hasn't even played for Ireland yet. He's, yeah. he's very much just coming into probably his second year, really since breaking out of that Munster Academy. Um, so he's injured on the weekend. Uh, we'll have to yet wait and see to see how, how he comes back from that and what, what the news is with him um, but Munster once again impressive against Edinburgh they just you know it just the injury crisis continues for them they just they can't seem to get a break it's already Dave Foley Simon Zebo, you know obviously um, Peter O'Matney's still out Tommy O'Donnell now Jack O'Doherty who's added to that list so there's a lot of concerns there but they look good and they look a lot they look like a um, a very, very much that African style of team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Munster seem to finally be fitting their jerseys again. Yeah. Uh, watching highlights before coming on today, they're they're strutting around Thoman Park again. There's a confidence ex- back. Yeah. Ex- exactly what we want to see. You know, there's so much talent in Munster, and as an Irish supporter, I, you know, I want to see Munster playing well again for our Irish team. Mm-hmm. You know, the likes of Dave Kilcoyne is back into a bit of confidence. Uh, CJ Stanners, of course, running the show. And then just some exciting backs like uh, Dara Sweetman mm-hmm. you know, c- coming through Munster. It's never been a. It's been a while since we've seen an outside back coming from Munster that we're super excited about. Keith Earls, maybe. Keith Earls, um, but Simon Zebo and Peter O'Mahony are, are back into full training. Mm-hmm. They should be coming back soon, but uh, hopefully Jack O'Donoghue's injury isn't as, as bad as first. And Ulster again, four from four, beating uh, beating Glasgow. Beating Glasgow at home is a you know it's a fantastic achievement, but. Also, I finally seem to are getting their best players on the pitch consistently. Yes. Um, touch wood now, Stuart McCluskey has just been ruled out. Mm-hmm. But Ian Henderson's around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan O'Connor's playing again with some confidence. Paddy Jackson's uh, taking a big step Paddy up. Paddy Jackson and, and Ruan Pienaar is definitely playing. Uh, Ruan Pienaar is in complete FU mode. Yeah. Middle finger at the IRFU mode because you can see it in his play. I mean, the first, he was absolutely sensational in their season opener after the IRFU basically said, no, we won't be renewing your contract. And Gordon Darcy has written a you know, a pretty scathing article today about the IRFU and the madness of, of sending Pienaar away. Mm-hmm. He, he's basically said that in order for us to be competitive, they're going to have to sign another scrum half who's yeah. foreign. So, you know, losing Pienaar, I think, is, is mad. But then they have the likes of uh, Charles Pieto and Marcel Coetzee hasn't even played, played for yeah. them yet. Yeah. So there's they're definitely getting their best players on the pitch and, and Les Kiss's plan seems to be coming into shape. So I, I really hope is. to see them continuing on and the big thing for Ulster last year and in previous years was their away record so mm-hmm. to register a win against Glasgow at home it's fantastic for them yeah yeah, and their back line, their forwards, you know, they've got some good forwards, obviously, there with Ian Henderson, um, Van der Merwe, Roger Wilson even coming in at number yeah. eight, Sean Reedy. There's a couple There's a couple of players there that are uh, that are quite promising, and, you know, obviously, Best and even Herring has looked yeah, quite good definitely. as well. Um, but their back line is, uh, is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And just the, the strength and depth they have is there. Obviously, you've got Marshall in the centres, you've got Stuart Olding, you've got uh, Stuart McCloskey, that's there. Even Darren Cave. Darren Cave. Who's a very good player. Well, Jared Payne's coming back now. You've got Charles yeah. Pieto. You've got... Ne- ne- never mind the wingers that are coming through uh, now. Stockdale, You've got Little. Craig um, Gilroy. They lost Scholes and uh, Sam Arnold. So they've lost two of their most promising players who have been brought up through their academy to uh, Edinburgh and Munster, respectively. And yet they still have the likes of Little and Stockdale who... Well, see, this, this is what I was going to say to you. If you're Tommy Bowe or Andrew Trimble, 
do you is, is this when you go start going looking for a new club? Because if I'm Ulster, both those guys are at the tail end of their careers, and you know they've been great servants, tremendous players over the years. But if I've got like Louis Ludic wants to stay on, um, you've already got Payne and Pieter there. Yeah. You've got Craig Gilroy. You've got Jacob Stockdale coming through. You've got Little who looked very good, even though I've only seen him very briefly. He scored that double there um, a couple of weeks ago. And you know, there's still I'm not going to judge one player off a second half performance. You know, I think you need a much bigger sample size. But there's that potential coming through. Would you? I mean, what do you do? What do you do if you're Tommy Bow and you're Andrew Trimble? And alternatively, if you're Ulster, do you just let those guys walk when the time comes? Yeah, to? I, I think it comes down to Ulster's, you know, perspective when they are approaching Andrew Trimble and Tommy Bow. Um, maybe they might start looking after their contract their current contract runs out having said that Andrew Trimble is vice captain mm-hmm. uh, I think Andrew Trimble is an automatic starter when he's in the Ulster when he's fit mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Bow hasn't appeared since his ACL injury against um, France in the World Cup I think mm-hmm. he might he came back and he re-injured oh, yeah, himself he was part of that but army of Irish players yeah. that got injured so Tommy Bow I think would, would even though you know he's strolled back into Ireland teams maybe undeservingly sometimes in the, in the latter few years but I think you know Tommy Bow is definitely a you know a household name and a great servant to Irish rugby. I think these guys, maybe Andrew Trimble because he's been in Ulster his entire career. Tommy Bow has been in Ospreys. Mm-hmm. I'd say Andrew Trimble might be out of the two of them the one who who'd finish at Ulster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll briefly just touch on the uh, the rugby championships games coming up before we wrap up. Uh, so we have South Africa hosting Australia and Argentina hosting New Zealand. Uh, South Africa versus Australia in Loftus Fairfield in Pretoria. Um, yeah. Quite a hard place to go. Two yeah. teams that are really probably perfect for each other at this stage because they're two giants, but they're also very much in transition. Definitely. But bringing in the likes of uh, Adam Coleman, who I've been really impressed with for Australia, mm-hmm. I thought he had a incredible game uh, against outside Argentina. of his, his he gave away some stupid late tackle like I've seen yeah. for in one of the opening games but apart from that he has that, he came back against Argentina and, and really dominated them when they have a yeah. huge pack uh, the likes of Will Genia returning to form and mm-hmm. putting Bernard Foley into inside centre seemed um, very very controversial but if it's working you know Quaid Cooper's back mm-hmm. and then even the likes of Dane Haley Petty was, was yeah. again on form for against Argentina uh, losing Pocock it isn't probably as big as a blow as losing... The name is bigger than his performances as of late. Yes. Um, he has been performing incredibly well. He, you know, He's still a terrific player, but mm-hmm. um, since since those England internationals, he, he has been lacking probably in a little bit of confidence. But, you know, they do have... Uh, Sean McMahon coming Sean through. Sean McMahon, Petit Tamani. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott, Scott Fardy isn't even in the team. Yeah. And I think he's one of Australia's best players. Uh, yeah. He has been sliding in form a little. And then, the, you know, Rob Simmons and Kane Douglas as well. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some strength there in Australia. Looking at South Africa, um, you know, Willem Alberts has been brought back in. Mm-hmm. They are missing Dwayne. Willie LaRue has been brought back in. Willie LaRue has been brought in. And Patrick Lambie, as we've said. Yes. Uh, so do you think Yancey's is uh, Janique Overtain as part or do you think they bring in Lambie? It'd definitely be interesting to see... Uh, I'd like to see Lambie back in. He hasn't played any rugby, so maybe starting an international match might be a, a little bit risky. But bringing him off the bench with Yankees uh, starting, uh, I think would probably be the best way to introduce him. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm actually, I am glad the way they're, they're treating this stuff because obviously the concussion he got with CJ Stander for what you know was really a questionable red card. Um, 
I think yeah, it's been that's about three months now. Yeah. Since that happened. And you know, and we've seen that, we've seen what Mark Chisholm last year, um, with Munster pretty much getting ruled out for the season. Yeah. Mike McCarthy got ruled out for the entire season last year after getting a concussion against uh, France. And just speaking about concussion, um we've only learned this since we've started in the studio. Nathan White has since retired oh, has after he? receiving a concussion against Leinster, I think in March. Okay. So, you know, thirty five years of age. Yeah. Uh he's I don't know how many Ireland casts, but he's played in all of Ireland's Rugby World Cup games and has won a hiding cup with Lancer and a Pro 12 with, with Connacht. I think that guy can retire with his, his, held, his head held very high. Uh, yeah, yeah. And actually just on that, uh, Jamie Cudmore from Claremont is deciding to sue or is looking at putting legal charges against Claremont for his treatment yeah. of a concussion during the game where he felt the club were negligent. Well, his account of it is, is scary. Yeah. His account of... of the, the events that he's, he's particularly focusing on is is very worrying in terms of the huge push over head injury assessment and, and the caution over it. It has been completely undermined by by this uh, mm-hmm. turn of events, if it's true, um, whether or not he w- he's totally honest about his state. But, I mean, it, it sounds like, from his account, he suffered two or three concussions in, yeah. in a single match, mm-hmm. uh, but was brought back onto the field because of an injury. It's worrying for rugby. It's definitely worrying, but the attitude he's taking—some would say it's almost betraying—but I think it's brave that he's bringing some some responsibility back back to the club and yeah. uh, an ex Sale Sharks player is also Killian Willis, yeah, ex Lancer, yeah. ex former Lancer player yeah. as well, who's also decided to to sue his club. So it will be an interesting one going forward because. Obviously, and I think they're bringing in a lot of uh, the English Premiership actually really uh, pushing with it. They're bringing in, um, obviously, if you get a concussion now, I think you go to a HIA, but they're also bringing in uh, response times where you'll basically have a look at, they'll measure your eye level and your response time tracking stuff on an iPad pre-season. Yeah. And then once you've been concussed, okay. they're going to track that. And if it's, if there's any big difference or any big variance between your pre-season results and your result after you've got a suspected head injury, they'll pull you. And you have to have okay. approval from an independent doctor that has to be there yeah. to witness it. So they're taking all the right precautions that you can possibly do. To it. Obviously, look, rugby... Is uh, it's a sport just like I suppose American football that are facing these issues now? Yeah. But I think it's yeah. The, in terms of a lot of people are really doing the best way because the sport is naturally physical. You really can't change anything to really limit in rugby. You can't really change anything to limit the amount of head-on-head collisions. Yeah. Just the nature of the sport. It's going to be like that. It's going to attract that. But um, in terms of how you treat it, I think they're really taking some great steps. So we'll keep an eye and get going forward. But thanks for listening today. I really appreciate your time, and we'll be back next week with some more rugby talk. Thank you. He can run this fucker. Quick pass the ball. Huh? Samoa! A gas bake. You ball this gate, Campbell. You dickhead. Oh, cheeky pass to Manu. Oh, that's forward. Forward pass, Mr. Cummins, you dickhead. Oh, that's his head. What about him? He's a try. Shoving up yours. Point to the screen. What's he going for? Dear me. He's trying to keep the score down.